What does Elon Musk, a dog on a coin, and a piece of code have in common? They hodl. <laughs> For anyone who didn't get that joke, go search it up. For the people who got it, today we're talking about bitcoins, cryptocurrencies, and I'm forgetting something. What am I forgetting? That, that's it, man. That, that's all it is. Okay, that's it. That's what we're talking about. Welcome to our fourth episode. Also, forgot to mention, we've put timestamps in our description below. So if you want to skip ahead to a point in the podcast that you want to listen to, then you can. Just go down to the description, see what time correlates to the topic we're talking about, and just skip ahead to that point. Yeah. So let me ask you this, yeah. When was the first time you heard about the whole Bitcoin, the whole cryptocurrency stuff? Too late. That's my answer. I heard about it too late. <laughs> Were you late to make money? <laughs> but <laughs> actually, I heard it just in the nick of time to know. Oh my god! I wasted so much of my money on bullshit that I could have invested uh. and became a millionaire with. You know that it was like it was the right balance between I realized that I knew enough to invest mm-hmm. and had enough money to invest. Yeah, but didn't invest. Because I didn't know about crypto coin, and now I know about crypto coin. Uh, it's too late, and I missed it. So, but when was it? When when did you hear about it? Is it was it like two, like mid twenty tens or like? No, no, holy shit! I was see, I'm not as old as you, so you know, twenty ten for you is like recent past for me. <laughs> <laughs> it was just the beginning of my consciousness. <laughs> Pretty much, bro. I was like, what? I was eleven. Wow. No, I was, I was 13. I was 13. 13. I was 13. Not bad. It's fine. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Sure. But yeah. yeah, 13, I didn't... It's not like I knew about investing in Bitcoins and Ethereum and stuff like that. So I heard about it. I think the first time I heard about it was probably 2016, 2017. But I didn't take it seriously. It's just... Like I heard, oh, there's something called Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And this term, cryptocurrency, being thrown around. But I think I really got to understand what it was probably... Uh, 2018, 2019-ish. That's when I was like, oh, actually, there's something here. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, mm-hmm. uh, we kind of got down to the basics of how is it made? Um, what like what could be the potential um, for these crypto coins? Mm-hmm. How could it be used? What's the investment opportunities in it? Um, so on and so forth. I think. But without yeah, last year, without the investment thing, like, did you think it was like? Cause the first time I heard about it, it was back. To 2012, 2011. Mm, and the ancient days. Yeah, like yeah. genuinely like two years after it was it was getting circulated, right? So it was like, at that point, I, I it didn't make much of it because I, I thought of it as like game tokens. Okay. It was like you can find it in random Reddit kind of forums and here and there people talking about Bitcoin and it's a big thing. Like like an MMORPG token, basically, like World of Warcraft coins. Uh, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, basically like that. I, I, I wasn't like a gaming um, geek or anything, so I didn't yeah, know sure. much. Yeah, sure. Yeah, 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 lie. The, only, the yeah. only thing I played was GTA, yeah. so it's like GTA coins. <laughs> Actually, I remember reading the paper and not understanding much at all about the whole Bitcoin. So the guy who who supposedly invented it, or the guy or the group of people, we don't know. No one knows, apparently. So they go by the acronym of... Satoshi Nakamoto. Yeah, exactly. So I remember reading the reading the white paper, and mm-hmm. I couldn't make anything out of it. It's like a bunch of equations and saying there's a limit. What's a white paper? It's a theoretical paper, like people write. So the concept of Bitcoin was written into the whole paper, and then he made the 
I guess the network was already there by the time I read it. So by yeah. by network, do you mean uh, the blockchain? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It only started during two thousand nine, right? Like he he released the paper in two thousand nine or something like that, and then the mm-hmm. the the test network was there, and then it became an actual distributed network, like genuine live network by twenty ten. And I was I was in two thousand twelve reading the paper, basically. So you obviously know more about the whole network and blockchain more than I do. Mm. Um, so when you say network, what do you actually mean by it? It's, it's not like it's not like um, it's the internet. It's not the internet, is it? It's it's different to it's not Wi-Fi and and, and bandwidth. Nah, it's not Wi-Fi. It's not network like. And then it just goes yeah. into no, no. Um, I don't know how to explain it in simple terms. If anyone used like BitTorrent and stuff, it's similar. So it's peer to peer. So it's basically you're connected to you kind of run a software which allows you to connect to a pool of other private servers or computers basically and you have direct connection to them so you basically then transfer between those computers so you're basically creating a network of your this private network within internet by running the software so when you run like something like BitTorrent which was to a way of downloading music and movies and things. And it's like an illegal way of doing it, but it was really cool. You can get like new movies and stuff from other people's computer to your computer. The fact that you had to add, uh, it's really cool in there. Yeah. Well, come on, man. Everyone used, I think in, in 20, 2010, <laughs> like 20, late 20, uh, 2000s, everybody jumped on that. So it's downloading. downloading yeah. You torrent, bit torrent. There was all kinds of torrent protocols. Cause it basically it's a software you run on your laptop and then, that software follows a protocol, finds other laptops running the same software, and then they can share. You can share uh, files and music and all that kind of stuff between two computers, basically. That's technology. So that's how that that's what the network of bitcoins and and more uh, more so cryptocurrencies yeah. work, right? So it's just a private network where um, people have connections within the internet, and you can just share coins. Or information. Well, it's not just coins. It's more like they're the ones actually mining the the big all the transactions and everything happen within that network. So if you try and do something with Bitcoin, it goes through that network. And the people who are connected to that that particular network would be some of them would be miners. And by miners, it's basically a server checking all the transactions. So the word miner threw me off for a very long time. I didn't understand why they called it the miner because the only only part of the miner that I understood is because you actually get a reward for for um, doing the check on the transactions, right? You're trying to va- validate all the transactions and you're getting a reward. So it's like getting that Bitcoin for yourself probably is what the mining, mm-hmm. the name miners came from maybe. Because other than that, you're basically, you're not a miner, you're a facilitator. You're like, I don't know, a server, basically, that's it. Uh, okay, so a miner is defined as a person who works in a mine. Um, surprise, surprise. So, yeah, I can't really say that it came because mining meant something else. It's not that. Uh, yeah, I don't know why they got mining, but okay, cool. So miners. But I understand that in, in uh, cryptocurrencies, if you are to do some kind of transaction, it has to follow a certain path, right? So it's like if me and you mm-hmm. are doing a transaction, it's not just me and you who kind of... Well, the transaction is encrypted, first of all, and that then passes through certain yeah. nodes in the network, which gets 
who then uh, say, okay, yep, this is verified. Yeah, so there is a lot more in the middle, basically. There's a lot of discovery protocols, which means like there are these miners that sit the closest to you, probably figures out a transaction happened between you and me and records that transaction and then puts it onto a block that it, it that server's created. So it's keeping its own record, right? It's taken the main block, which which is the the entire blockchain. So to explain that simply, the entire blockchain, everybody has it. Every server ever will always have the entire blockchain at any time. Oh, but doesn't that doesn't that lo- like isn't that a lot of information to be stored? Not really, because if you think about it, at the moment it's it's just about getting to a point where yeah, it's a bit too much. But if you think about it, for the last twelve years, mm-hmm. it's been running right, and it's just about it's just around um, three hundred and seventeen gigabytes. That sounds like a lot, but we need to consider how much data is actually out there. That's literally nothing. And that's the entire transactions. And I don't know how many transactions I've been running, but... And each each block, as in each fundamental atomic thing, is like a block of transactions, right? And they're limited to one megabyte. So you can add data until it's one megabyte, and it has to be then uh, put to a block. It creates a, basically a block of um, data. Hmm. Well... I think, um, so obviously Bitcoin was the first uh, cryptocurrency to appear and followed very, very closely by Litecoin, which came about in the late 2010. And it, and it worked pretty much in the similar fashion. Big thing about Bitcoin is there's a limit of how many coins there can be ever. Bitcoin had a limit of 21 million, whereas Litecoin kind of um, extended that limit to 86 million coins that could ever be mined. What this kind of added to the cryptocurrency space was inflation no longer affects Bitcoin because whereas fiat currency can depreciate with in- inflation. So the way, just to clarify to listeners, fiat currency is what we use. Yeah, yeah. So dollars, pounds, yeah. rupees, yeah, anything like that is called fiat currency. So unlike fiat currency, Bitcoin is more like an asset. Is what I'm trying to say. It's like it's like if you hold gold or if you hold silver. Um, it 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 goes up in price, doesn't it? Year on year. So it's like a it, it's a limited supply. So yeah, because of the limited supply, it's high demand. Or um, so that's funny because high demand means that there had to be an initial demand, and I think the initial demand came about because of companies like WordPress, who in like the late 2012 were the first people to accept Bitcoin as payment. And to anyone who's listening who actually paid Bitcoins to do something on WordPress, I feel sorry for you because I'm guessing you paid more <laughs> than one Bitcoin, which technically means you paid about, let's say if you paid two, you paid about 60 grand to do something on, on, on WordPress. Yeah. Uh, it's even sillier than that because um, back in the day, there was a story that a guy paid 10,000 Bitcoin for a pizza. Oh. So, you know, I mean, that must have been one hell of a pizza. But Imagine he threw it away because he was like, oh, it's too tasty, well, too nice. Yeah, there, there are cases of people genuinely, because, you know, the whole idea of a wallet is like, it's encrypted. Okay, so, uh, wallet, as I'm, I'm, you're not talking about a normal wallet that we carry on. No, 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 this is a digital wallet. Okay, so what is digital wallet? It's basically an address. You get an unique address Okay. for you to store this. This, your Bitcoin. So this this address is alphanumerical or it is? Yeah, it's an alphanumerical number. It's a large alphanumerical uh, value. Okay. 
right? And that's where you, that's the address you give to anyone to say, look, transfer some Bitcoins to me. And that's the address. So it's not like, you know, it wouldn't be like me transferring to Nick. I'll be, I'll be transferring to this unique address you have. So no one knows who has who. And that's also, that's a positive and a negative because that means that it's easier for any kind of drug organization. And I'm not saying do it, but if you wanted to, <laughs> what you could yeah. do is you could transfer any amount of money or any kind of bit, any amount of Bitcoin to someone and they don't need to know who you are and they will never know who you are and you won't know who they are. Actually, that's changed, I would say. Back in the day, there were so many different websites where you can go and create your own private wallets, right? Yeah. And they would set up a wallet for you with a unique address and then you can just kind of put money into it. You can transfer money. You can send it to privately to people. Nobody cared about what went where. But these days, it sort of got regulated so heavily. So there are only a few people that you can sign up, right? There are still, you know, ways you can go about doing it privately. But most people nowadays, the, the, the path they take is basically go to somewhere like an established institution like Coinbase. Yeah. Or like another similar one. and you register with your addresses and everything. They give you an account to hold Bitcoin. So if you think about it, the idea of complete uh, anonymity is gone. Well, you can't. You can't really. Because technically saying that if you if you know an address, yeah. um, you can pretty much track where, where the track, uh, what's happening to that account. You can genuinely do that publicly now because all the, all the transactions ever are public. Oh, seriously? So if you know an address, you can genuinely grab that address, go and type it in, and you'll see all the transactions that happen between the start of that create the start of that account to now. Because obviously the idea is it's decentralized, it's open, it's out there, everyone can see it, but they can't change it. Mm. Right? No, no one can mess with it because it's a very distributed, immutable technology that once it's out there in the blockchain, it's a written thing. Okay. And it's not stored in one place. Yep. So you can't delete it because it's easily reproducible. Everyone will have it. Going off just what you said just now. So um, when you said you can't, you, can't, you can't copy it, I think that's a good way to go on to what hash is. Is the fact that let's say you have a, a alphanumerical code, uh, a hash as you called it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Let's say we made the transaction, I have a hash. If that hash isn't copied and sent back, into the network it's no longer recognized that hash can never be used again right yes it's i would hope yeah i think it's a unique one-way hash so um it is it you, is so you when i was doing my research how from let me just explain what i know and then you can kind mm -hmm. of say if that's right or you can add on to that and yeah yeah go on. yeah so let's say i send a transaction to you when i send it there's a hash created when you receive it there's you receive that hash, the same exact same hash, right? Mm -hmm. And so then you would think, wait, if that exact same hash has been sent and received, can I just use that same number and send it to someone else? That way, if I have £10, I've sent it to you, I can just send that same code to someone else. And technically, I've sent £20, but I don't have £20 to send. Does that make yeah, sense? it's called, um, what's that called again? Double... It's called double payment or double booking or something, right? Double like payment. You basic, exactly. Double payment, basically. Exactly. Yeah, you can you can sort of create money and you can sort of fake it. Yeah. So, from what I know, the way cryptocurrency combated that was once a hash is created and it's been received, 
that hash is forever like it's it's taken out of the system uh, per se it can never be used again so every transaction has a completely new hash. what i was going to add to that is that it's not so much on the hash it's so much on the the, the data mm-hmm. so when you have let's say a block they hash the entire data in that block okay so hash is basically essentially just a way of uh, grabbing a bunch of data it could be text mm-hmm. and then condensing it into a fixed size unique uh, value okay so a hash size of bitcoin is 256 so whatever you type in whatever data it, it, that one megabyte of block holds you can hash it to a 256 bit value and that will always be unique for each block and that's what i send to whoever i'm sending it to that 256 you don't really i mean when you send bitcoin and stuff it's a transaction so nobody really cares about um your hash or my hash it's more about what the miners are doing with that data ah okay that makes sense because once you record a transactions the miners are busy trying to record this one megabyte of um data and once they have a block what they're trying to do is a very complex mathematical procedure to get it approved okay like what kind of mathematical and it's procedure ba- it's again a hash related mathematical problem so basically what happens is you get a hash of this this particular block right okay and to add it in they have to solve any solve a hash which well i don't know how to put this in simple ways because like um i think just say it and then if someone wants to dig deeper into it they can yeah so it's more like it, it tries it tries to give you a um a difficult problem of finding a hash for a particular uh, block okay yeah and then saying find one below it so you know how you take like let's say you say um hey nick you take that text you hash it and you get uh, you it doesn't matter how big the text is how small the text is you always get a fixed value right in this case a 256 uh, bit uh, a bit value you get then it says okay how about you find one value below that what so you basically what 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 you're trying to do is change something in that text that matches this one value below that hash oh no you're right this is confusing okay but carry on carry on (laughs) it's very it's very confusing it's like saying okay the value is 10 now try and find a way to make it 9 or 11 or it's called a nonce i think uh (laughs) yeah it's called a nonce value (laughs) Yeah, so basically you try and alter that data to match a value below it or above it. And the algorithm or the blockchain uh, technology basically, um, how do you say it? Like they they monitor the difficulty so they can go up in difficulty, low in difficulty. Because too many people are solving it too quickly, then they will just kind of make it harder. Oh, okay. Just for security reasons. Yeah, genuinely, because you don't want... Uh, you do want a certain level of um, uh, how do you say it? Uh, delay in some sense, I guess, because there's it's called proof of work. But if you're a, a miner, a server, a piece of hardware sitting there trying to validate all the transactions, all you're doing is doing this proof of work and getting re- rewarded for it. Because when you proof, when you do this proof and you uh, you are successful, your data, your block is added to that. Oh that immutable blockchain, that one massive main line of blockchain, your data will be added. Which in plain terms basically means once you solve it, you mm. are then a recipient of a share of what's been transferred, right? Uh, not a share of what you transferred. I think it's a fixed value you get. You get okay. a fixed, so it's like, fixed reward, which I, I think at the moment is six 
Yeah, I think at the moment it's six bitcoins or something like that. What? Uh, how can I do this? How can I set it up? Where yeah, I no, I think if you want to do this now, you would need a couple of million investment, uh, <laughs> a big warehouse that doesn't care about electricity, a lot of different things, man. Back in the days, uh, people would do this on a laptop and they would get like 20 bitcoins. Oh, oh God. And now it's a whole different game. It's like genuinely a, it's a, it's a lottery pick. Just just to clarify, 20, 20 bitcoins now is worth 600,000 pounds. Yeah. So Yeah, 10 years ago, if you did that, you would have only a laptop hardware. You could have easily just made millions. And people did. Yeah, of, of course. Uh, I think I think what people forget is, and and this is obviously people are going to say, why didn't people just invest? Right? What what's going on? You need to understand what mm-hmm. happened with Bitcoin and in the cryptocurrency space in general, is it was a phenomenon. It it's never happened before. To put it into perspective, when it came when it first came out, two thousand nine, two thousand ten time, it was zero point zero 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 eight pence, right? And now it's. Thirty thousand pounds. So if you predict, if you kind of thought, oh, you know what, there should have been someone who said, oh, you know that thing that's worth less than one tenth of a penny, one hundredth of a penny, is going to be worth thirty grand. That guy is from the future, and whatever you get for selling him to the American government is definitely worth <laughs> more than what you could have got from Bitcoin. Yeah, I mean. I mean, it, it, it sort of, it sort of hits you, right? Like when you think about it, like, okay, you know, I could have sat down, I could have just ran this on your laptop. It would have taken like, I don't know, half your CPU um, uh, strength and then it would have given you like hundreds of Bitcoins. So I did the math, right? So I was, I was saying, okay, you know, like hundred pounds a lot when I was younger. Let's say I saved that up and I bought a hundred pounds worth of Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, what would it be worth today, right now? Do you want to guess? Um, no, I don't want to guess because I've been through that and I don't want to go through the pain again. <laughs> no, no, we have to for the people. All right, fine. Go ahead. Tell me. Three billion seven hundred and fifty million pounds. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is that growth, man? Like, Woo! No. that's that's not that's not normal. That's not normal. That is not normal. That's that's wrong. That is wrong. That's what that is. Wow. That is, but I think so. Uh, people must be wondering why did it, like, go up in value like this? What was the reason behind it? And is there a way I can find the next Bitcoin per se? Mm-hmm. Hopefully you can, and if you do, do write in emails at the bottom of the description. Yeah. Uh, please do. <laughs> but the reason, why, yeah, please. I'll yeah, yeah, yeah I on. can give you my personal number. Call me at night. Call me at day. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Just you know, let me know. <laughs> Do it for the culture. I don't know what that statement means. I just like saying it. Do it for the culture. But, um, so the reason why it kind of got, went up in, in value is, you know, when before, just before I said that WordPress was the first um, major company to accept Bitcoin as payment. Yeah. So what happens when Bitcoin is accepted as payment is the transaction increases. Yeah. Right? When transaction increases, automatically the demand for it increases, which means as demand goes up, price goes up. So the value of one Bitcoin is now worth more, right? Mm-hmm. So when people then see, oh, wait, Bitcoin's going up, people then try to get more Bitcoins, which then means more people want to mine it. So supply goes up and slowly but surely, price of Bitcoin goes up. Mm-hmm. 
But the thing in between all of this is Bitcoin and cryptocurrency in general has multiple phases of bubbles within the market. Yeah. You, you must have heard of price bubbles, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, famous one being um, 2008 crisis as well, right? It was a big bubble. Yep, yep. I think the the first initial bubble was in Netherlands in the 1600s. Mm-hmm. You must have heard about it. The Lotus... Tulip one. Tulip one. Bubble. Yeah, yeah. Tulip bubble, Lotus bubble. So if I was to explain that, what happened was some people went to Italy and saw tulips. They've never seen tulips in um, Netherlands before. So that they uh, bought bulbs of tulips mm-hmm. and bought it back to the Netherlands. To them... This something that's completely brand new. Like, oh my god, this is so beautiful. What is this? Right? I want it. I want it now. I don't know why I sound like a possessed demon. <laughs> but it's just lotus. It's just it's just it's just it's just it's just tulips, yeah. right? So they want to pay more for that one tulip. So what did farmers do? They went, got bulbs, planted it, more tulips. People are happy to buy it. But the the supply is still limited, right? Mm-hmm. So prices keep going up. It's not like you just had unlimited amount of tulips in Netherlands. You had God knows, maybe thousands, but thousands in a country of a million people is quite it's not it's not much. Yeah, yeah, right? It's quite scarce, yeah. Exactly. So then what people started doing was tulip was so rare so rare, people would start selling land and their houses for it. They're like, oh my God. So it might sound stupid right now, but there the concept was tulips have been going up in price year on year, month on month, day on day. Yeah. My house right now is worth X amount, or my land right now is worth X amount. The price of this tulip is going to go up faster than the house or the land would. <laughs> so it's not who like needs a no... house? Let's leave the house, <laughs> leave the land. Pretty much, exactly. Yeah, yep. At one point, in current value, one tulip was apparently worth fifty thousand uh, pounds. Wait, wait, what? In 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 that time money, or are you talking about today's money? In today's money. In today's money, it would have been one tulip was worth £50,000. In today's money, right? Today's money. In today's money. All right, okay, fair enough. Because I was thinking, that time money, £50,000, that's that's like, what, £50 now? What is that? Jesus, that's... Okay, fair enough. You scared me there for a bit because I was was thinking like, what... No, but wait. Are you you in your senses? £50,000 for one flower? Um, yeah, actually, to be honest with you, back 1600s, yeah, that's still quite a bit of a... 1600s, even today? What? I don't know what world you live in. If someone paid 50000 for a flower... I, but you have I to understand, man. We live in a world where you can genuinely paint some canvas with, like, blue paint and put a dot in it and it will go for, like, 14 million. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, but you have, that's odd. Yeah, but if there is a flower that's only found and somebody says, it, I don't know, it's the rarest one, I can easily see that going even now for 50000 No. Ain't no Because think about it. A flower is going to die. Yeah, but you had that flower it before a, you died. That's the, that's the thing. Isn't it? Rich people always pay. That's what it is. It doesn't matter. They're true. trying to fight, that find an age. That that's all it is. When they yeah. when they have their house party and they're like, oh, you know what? This flower, only me. You know? And I'm the only <laughs> one who has it. It's going to die today, but you look at it in my house. Yeah, you know. And that's it. That's yeah. it. You saw it in my, in my house. house. I'm the only <laughs> this is my house. <laughs> my house. But anyway, um, so, and surprisingly enough, going off that topic mm-hmm. 50,000 pounds that incident in the 1600s was also the first time we saw the futures market come into play so for anyone who doesn't know what a future market is you could go into um, any kind of quite famous trading platforms 
and you can buy futures. What you're trying to say is, I'm going to buy a hundred contracts of a company in today's value, but I'm gonna I'm, I'm saying I'll buy it in the next month. Yeah, does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, yeah. So it's it's like saying basically I expect the price to go up, or I yep. expect expect the price to go down, so I can buy. You wouldn't buy it if the price was going down. But let's say you thought the price of yeah, let's say the price of Apple you think is going to go up in the next month because of, um, I don't know, the Apple car coming out. So you go to someone who's selling Apple contracts mm-hmm. and you say, listen, for today's value, whatever that may be, I'm going to buy 100 contracts from you in a month's time. Yeah, yeah. And that's like a contract. You have to, you have to kind of... Uh... Yes, yes. You can't void that contract. So come at the end of the month, if the price is higher than what you thought it was going to be, you have now made more of a profit than what you thought you were going to yeah. make. Let's say it's lower than what you bought it for today. Let's say today was £100 and the end of the month it was 50 you have now just lost money. Mm-hmm. You still have to buy those contracts at the value you said you buy them. So you, you still have to buy the contract mm-hmm. for £100 per contract, but the contract will only be valued at £50. Yeah. So the same thing happened in the 1600s where people were starting to say, okay, I want 100 tulips in a month's time and I'll pay whatever today's price is, in, the, in a month's time. And unfortunately, the people who were supposed to deliver didn't deliver. And that kind of sent the whole system into meltdown. Mm-hmm. And that bubble crashed. So going back to what a bubble is, now that I've said the bubble crashes, a bubble is basically, uh, it's characterized by a rapid escalation mm-hmm. of market value. Yeah. And it, it, particularly talking about prices. So let's say a tulip really is it shouldn't be worth fifty thousand pounds, but once start people paying, once people start paying fifty thousand pounds for it, other people then think, oh wait, if he's paying fifty thousand pounds for it, it should possibly go up again yeah. in the next month. So fifty thousand pounds right now is a bargain. Yeah, yeah. So then they're ready for fifty thousand pounds for it, and uh, it just gets inflated, right? Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Basically, it just doesn't make sense. And then, and then, yeah, and then at some point. Someone goes, wait, 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 this is all stupid. We're paying £50,000 for a flower. <laughs> and it kind of makes sense. And everyone kind of gets off the hype. And the market crashes. Because no one wants to buy a flower for 50000 anymore. So the sellers then have to sell it for cheaper, considerably cheaper. Mm-hmm. And they start losing money. And the people who have been holding it thinking, I'm going to sell these, start becoming bankrupt. And the whole system kind of crashes. Like it did back in 1600s. Like it did in 2008 and i think like it will in the next coming year for the bitcoin Mm, i think like it did in 2017 when i lost some money Ah, so you have some investments in cryptocurrencies i do actually yeah yeah um i have one in bitcoin i have uh ethereum i have a few litecoins so i invested when it was going up i think it was at the peak of it in 2017 if, if people don't know End of 2017 was this big rush, similar to the one that Nick just explained about the whole tulip. It was like a massive rush into Bitcoin, anything crypto, anything crypto people bought, thinking this is some new uh, new ev- revolution coming from um, from digitalizing all the currencies and stuff. So people just bought it again. Price sh- shot up to like £14,000 or $20,000 and then it crashed, basically. It's the same pattern. So it went on for about a couple of months. I think it started around October of 2017, crashed in January. 
And I bought a few in the right time, even in back in 2017, a few in the very wrong time. And right now... But to be honest, everything, yeah, yeah, everything, everything right now is... is yeah, it's double, basically, yeah. So 2017, there was two things, actually. There was one, Bitcoins happened, and there was a lot of bunch of companies promoting blockchain. And they were creating their own applications on top of blockchain. And that became this kind of jargon, this kind of uh, what it is basically is today's AI. People thought this is the new way to build apps. But uh, through blockchain, through the blockchain, basically. Yeah. So obviously people should see blockchain and Bitcoin separately to each other because Bitcoin is just a coin that is running on top of this blockchain technology, which allows it to be a lot of things like it allows it to be anonymous it allows it to be distributed it allows it to be immutable so you can't change it and things like that so the the technology can be used also to run distributed apps so would this be the right right analogy so blockchain is like a country uh, apps are like businesses that you build in the country and bitcoin is like the currency of a country uh yeah you can put it that way or yeah i guess that simply works it's just a platform hey. yeah the technology exactly yeah so the technology is like the the uh, base is running on that and then on top of that you can run apps the economy of a country exactly so you can run apps on top of it because um it, it doesn't just limit you to coins it also allows you to do something like smart contracts and stuff so and that's pretty much the equivalent of future contracts in the financial industry isn't it you could put features in there too you know <laughs> i think you can put features in there too because what smart contracts does is basically it runs on top of the blockchain and one of the good things is like let's say i can give an example about rental because there was this <laughs> there was this company in 2017 it was running uh they basically came up and they advertised them themselves as a blockchain company trying to uh, <clears throat> build an application where renters and like landlords can meet each other, basically. So it's like a, a. I think you're talking about Airbnb. It's not Airbnb. It's more. Like, it's it's called Renberry <laughs> for anyone who wants to know. Renberry. Yeah, and they build their app on top of uh, blockchain. So it's like all yeah. you know how when you want to rent a property, similar to like you know getting a mortgage, you have to first go through a lot of paperwork, right? Yeah. All yeah, of yeah. that is done digitally, and all mm. the records are stored within a blockchain. So there wouldn't be any room for error, if that makes sense. Like once you submit your information digitally, it's all, it's all like authorized, then that data stays in the blockchain, then they can build some smart contracts and smart contracts are things like, for example, um, they can put in place in the blockchain when someone's uh, like uh, deposit comes back, for example, that's all automated. Mm. Let's say you're leaving okay. a property, you submit your paperwork and the blockchain finds that paperwork. It then gets applied and the smart contract is sitting there trying to see if this condition is met. If that condition is met, then it will automatically release the um, the deposit back into back to the tenant. So things like that. So you don't have to go through this process of the middleman being sitting there saying, oh yeah, now I need to call, call the landlord to submit this paperwork. Oh, I need to see if there's any disputes. All of that is done automatically. Okay. And it's it's on a on a, a piece of uh like you know, it's on a database essentially the blockchain. 
that does not change it has all the records and that's very useful right so basically what that company was trying to do was centralize something that is in its core decentralized so um, for people wondering the whole concept of blockchain is that it's decentralized it's not there's no one firm yeah. or one organization controlling it so the government isn't determining what kind of transactions can take can take place so there's no firm uh, saying these are the rules and you can't send this and you can't send that mm-hmm. people peer to peer basically means you can send whatever you want to send mm-hmm. and there's no one monitoring over that that's obviously a positive and a negative and what this company was technically trying to do was kind of take a section of that network and say okay we're going to now do um contracts in this network and we are going to control what kind of contracts come through and i know te- um, technically it, they still had miners so it was distributed so they weren't trying to centralize yeah, then, it it was just that the smart contracts will be written on top of the blockchain that it just sort of executes itself within the mining servers well no i, I get the whole mining yeah. bit but if there's a company saying okay uh, this time i'm sure the companies obviously had their own policies and and regulations and stuff yeah yeah, yeah. but they're, they're kind of written onto the the blockchain so they don't go around changing that that's also another thing that's kind of keeping because you know if somebody changes their 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 policies and stuff or somebody wants to change the smart contracts it's very publicly out there so it wouldn't be like a change of terms and conditions in the middle does that make sense so it's also policing but themselves there's, there's but there's no terms and conditions on, on the blockchain though there's no like there's no, you can only have 70, there's no restrictions of any kind. There is with the smart contracts. No, but then the smart contract was created by the company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Initially, you would write an app that basically has a certain amount of rules. You need some business logic, like to say, well, you know, if this happens, this this is what is supposed to happen. So that rules is put in place, but they don't hold anyone's information, if that makes sense. Like everything is sort of... I get the not holding, I get the not holding the information bit, but even by them doing that, writing their own contracts mm-hmm. doesn't that obvious because it's running through a company now that's basically centralized that whatever you're doing in that is centralized. no 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 i i would say that the only centralized bit there is is that you can say in a way that when you they write the rule they're creating some sort of centralized rule but yeah but the the whole the whole uh technology is running on blockchain which is run by again a distributed level of peer to peer no, obviously, the blockchain itself is still decentralized. Saying that, there are companies who who used to uh, run like three servers within their building, run a blockchain technology between those three servers and call it a distributed server. <laughs> That's not, that was never distributed. It still sits in the same place under the same roof. And they all they did is they ran a software that ran blockchain. And they called it, well, you know, we have blockchain company. We have this, well, you're running between your own servers. You're not actually putting it out there to running between a truly distributed network it's genuinely your network you're running a bunch of servers that doesn't count block it for a blockchain to be really truly decentralized it has to run between multiple locations everyone has to be anonymous everyone has to run like there there needs to be miners from different locations do you see a future do you see a future where we no longer use the internet we use blockchain to share information and do google search and purely no um, See the way the way I see it is blockchain is has its uses. Like I told you about the whole contracts and legal, maybe trying to buy mortgage, you know, that's that's a whole process which can be helped with blockchain where it doesn't have that kind of friction to go with documents and everything, right? But for everyday use, if you want to go Google something, why why use blockchain? Because 
right now, I think um, for people who know about the whole co- the Snowden and um, Wiki, WikiLeaks and things like that, right? You understand that privacy is a big issue. Facebook, Google, you know, privacy is a massive issue, right? So when you're using even a normal a Google search, Google has your information. They know who you are. They know what you're searching for. They then they target you for certain ads and they choose they kind of categorize you into oh this guy likes pink dogs <laughs> with three legs so oh, wait, wait you're coming from the pri- uh, the privacy side of things so i was saying in terms of more pure technology there's no point of it because you can do what google does without any blockchain you can do what certain apps does but yeah but see the thing is the thing is i get i get you can do what google does without blockchain but on a global scale, if blockchain is accepted, it's widely accepted. That means you're taking power away from these big firms like Facebook and Google. And you're basically, I love this analogy, you're basically becoming Wall Street bets on a global on a global scale. Yeah, yeah, I think there was. Actually, there is a blockchain-based search engine, I think. You know, instead of saying, I think, let's find out. Let's find out. I remember seeing a lot of apps which did everyday things on top of blockchain so because so it turns out there is social media based on blockchains do you think do you think blockchain can speed up the internet because like you said if if using blockchains if every transaction ever made is able to be stored on 360 gb of data doesn't that mean that if we are to use blockchains instead of the actual network that we're using now since i don't know where i'm going with this the simple answer is no it doesn't because um blockchain is basically based based off text mainly i think you can have other other blockchains which uh take other types of data smart contracts and stuff adds a bit more uh, um space to it but it's simply you can't run the entire internet off um blockchain it just makes it much more heavier basically because you have to have like a lot of text and uh images and media i mean you can run it but it just essentially becomes a lot more cumbersome because you have to store like large amounts of data you're talking about petabytes or like whatever's about that amount of data every i think we can make it up (laughs) above petabytes Uh, but single bytes what can we call it (laughs) No, come on. <laughs> we have the opportunity to create something. Uh, uh, fetabytes. Like feta cheese? Fetabytes. I think it's setabyte. Yeah, exabytes. Setabyte and yottabyte. Yotta. Anyway, so <laughs> the centralized, decentralized uh, apps. So there's something called Blue Sky that's been created by Twitter. Right. Uh, which is still in the works. They don't know much about it, but that's something. It's a decentralized project. Mm. Something called The Voice, which kind of what it does is it distributes crypto rewards to content creators yeah. that put a focus on transparency. Oh, okay. Mm. There is a lot of apps. If you if you look at apps that are running on blockchain, you would find a whole bunch of apps, which genuinely is replace, or trying to replace the current traditional internet apps, like the normal... And I think, I think it's going to happen. I genuinely believe it's going to happen. I think the internet is going to be replaced. But I don't think 
fiat currency is going to be replaced by cryptocurrency. Right? Yeah, but what I'm trying to say is the simple the internet cannot be replaced by a blockchain. The internet is a bunch of connections between thingy, right? Like you can have private um it'll be genuinely like silos of networks running. Genuinely, right? And that's not something that I think people want to do because you want information to be um, you want information to be private when it needs to be and public when it needs to be and it's just a there's a barrier because the internet works because you can technically create private networks with within internet it's not the internet get replaced it's more like the applications can be replaced because you can then write applications like you said with more privacy uh, anonymous applications and you know all kinds of stuff which doesn't make it centralized to one institution or a company Mm-hmm. But see, I think I think what we're forgetting is we're in the first decade of of blockchain being created. Internet internet's been around what five times, six times longer than that. Yeah, it's been ninety five, ninety five something like that. Well, so it hasn't been longer. It's been it's been like twice as long. But what I'm trying to say is, it's what what I'm trying to say is we're still at the birth of this yes. thing. We we don't know what the potential yeah. is. I mean, I understand what you're saying by internet should pay to pay connection. Right now, it's just data being stored on multiple networks but there could be another invention which is completely random which helps blockchain become the next internet you know yeah i can see blockchain becoming a thing where people start to write like i told you writing apps on top of blockchain which allow which sits on top of internet because you know there's connections between but you don't think but you don't think the internet as we know it is going to be obsolete i don't know i mean there are this this was called internet 2.0 basically uh but in my in my head, it's more like uh, the idea of just having peer-to-peer connections itself uh, and running in on top of this blockchain thing. I don't know what value it adds. Maybe I'm not. I don't know enough. But every transaction ever made into a blockchain, that sort of thinking, nothing adds to that. Like internet isn't made to like record everything into one blockchain. There's no point of that. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, what's the point of adding everything that anyone has ever searched and anything has ever any anyone has ever seen? into a blockchain it adds no value because you you're not only adding value you're actually um bloating up disk space if you if you if if you go from the thought process of on a blockchain every transaction ever made can be seen publicly yeah. that means every search ever made can be seen publicly that's kind of the opposite of privacy right because what's the point of putting it out but yeah. but i get that i get that but that search can't then be tied to a certain account so if you are searching mm-hmm. up Weird shit. You know, whatever the... Yeah, I, I don't really want to yeah. talk to your search yeah. history. But whatever you're searching up, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, your worst nightmare would be that your neighbor can then see, oh my god, this is what that search is up. Right? Yeah, that would be just a random address, basically. That's it. Exactly. So, by that, I mean, the bad thing is then it has no consequences, so you can literally search up anything you want, and you don't have to face any kind of consequences. Yeah, so again, but at the same what time, I'm trying to say is Okay, you finish off, actually. Yeah, go on. But at the same time, it's the whole concept of now we have true freedom over what we want to search for, what we want to look for. You know the whole concept that 95% of all transactions are made um, in the black market? Mm-hmm. Have you heard of that? Yeah, yeah, So yeah, whatever yeah. we in know the about the economy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly, the darknet, right? And the biggest thing about the darknet is, well, you've got to go through X amount of barriers to get in there. And the deeper you go, yep. the more you need to, I mean, protect your IP and get particular softwares and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. 
It's right? the same. It's the same um, concept, really, because you have Tor and you kind of run. It's a, it's again an application you run to connect to other peer networks, and it it follows that kind of discovery. You find more and more servers, and it does not have, for example, like you can't go to someone's someone's like uh, website by an address. You can't type in a URL where it says www.google.com or something. There's no indexing. I think there is some very rudimental indexing, but it's not like you can't just go and type in a web address, basically. You have to type in by IPs or something like that. And then you have to then install other software to figure out, like you said. If you know, yeah. Exactly. So you need more software and whatnot. So by making that information public, yeah. you are now given access to a completely new market. What do you mean by that? So, you don't have a market to buy. Oh, oh, it wasn't like anonymously Let's buying. <laughs> I was like, you yeah. that information? A market? <laughs> what? Okay, okay, cool. But you do understand the value of a, a, um, a dark net is because you can keep anonymous. It, it doesn't add any more value by running it on blockchain. That makes sense. Because the, the reason why dark net is so famous, or at least you said like 95% of things happen in the dark net, is because you can do it anonymously. Adding a blockchain on top of it, it just doesn't doesn't add any value. And on top of that, you're actually comp- making it much more complicated because now you need everyone who who's in that network to store everything that has ever happened in that network, which is impossible at some point because you're going to you're going to have media files, data, a lot large amount of data that isn't the same as a Bitcoin, where it's a fixed amount of data. So unless you want to say, well, this is a special network where you can only talk in text. And only say these mm-hmm. things that then, even then, you are actually going into the concept of an app. You are basically creating an app within a network rather than it actually running as a network. Mm. So I think I think what you're saying, and I'm going to take it this way anyway because I just want to prove my point. Haha, <laughs> is is the future is basically multiple apps which then run the internet. Yes, one blockchain. That. I can see it, it replace replacing the traditional apps, replacing the traditional search engines and uh, other technologies and other uh, applications. Yes, that I believe that is probably why it's called Internet 2.0 because all of these things are gonna start running on these. All of these apps are gonna start running on these blockchains, and then it becomes like wherever you need privacy, you get privacy. Wherever you need uh, exposure, you get exposure. If it's open source, they all kind of, they all kind of stay in their lane, basically. It's it's exciting future, man. Oh, it's definitely. Yeah. I, I truly believe in the blockchain technology because I think it's, again, like you said, it's a it's a good point you made because it's, it's very early in the stages of um, blockchain technology, right? So, so if you go back to the internet in the late 90s, there was this, um, you know, dot-com bubble where internet happened, every company claimed that they are internet company, everyone started buying them, they went bankrupt, only a few good players like Amazon, eBay, Google survived. But the decade coming after, internet was widely adapted, uh, adopted by a lot of companies, right? And then the technology survived and it thrived. And I feel like blockchain has its place and we don't know yet, but a lot of people are trying to play in that space. And in 10 years time, like I told you, like these these apps that uh, replaces or disrupts markets, like for example, um, like mortgage markets, where you know you can probably buy a mortgage within like yeah a week instead of three months because all your records are there and it's private at the same time. When it needs to be, it becomes public to the buyer and seller, and that's it. It it exists only in a transient way that 
the transactions happen and then it goes away. Can can you can you imagine that? Can you imagine a a, a space where you go on your phone, mm-hmm. you do some kind of verification, and the person you're selling to has the exact details that he needs. He verifies it. He he clicks okay. He does his verification, yep. and it's done. It's done. You don't have to hold that information anymore. That's existing within that space only for the time it needs to be. It's basically a Snapchat of, <laughs> of mortgages. <laughs> Wait, that, we should oh try that. Damn. Yo, yo, you know if if because of this podcast, uh, some guy goes and oh, creates I, swear to God, I, I claim all rights to that. If you do that, <laughs> it's it's copyright. As I will come after you. Trademark it right now. <laughs> yeah, we need to trademark this. But actually, oh, speaking of speaking of yeah. speaking of people getting ideas, um, you know Elon Musk. So apparently, it turns out the reason why he invested in Bitcoin mm-hmm. is because someone in Twitter, someone quite um smart and someone who's actually quite well off probably one of his colleagues mm. right uh, told him that explained to him that if you have some amount of bitcoin in your balance sheet you can then represent your whole company in terms of bitcoin and when the value of bitcoin goes up so does the value of his company which means that his shareholdings go up the value of his shareholdings go up and it was it was it was it was a beautiful move by mr elon musk to then go purchase Bitcoin because once he does it, then FOMO kicks in and other major companies start doing it. Maybe Ford, maybe um, Audi, whoever it is, which then drives up the value of Bitcoins again, which then drives up the value of Tesla. So he's sort of like, this is sort of like two birds with a stone situation. Where I think it's like 15 birds with a stone. Like he does things that people think is one thing, but turns out to be like 17 different things at the same time. So let's say that this 1.5 billion, I, I guess he doesn't care about this 1.5 billion because he can go down to nothing and he'll, he will only lose. He won't. It no, no, won't I'm just saying in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the event that the bubble burst, it doesn't actually affect the company that much. Okay, but think about it this way, right? We're still in a bull market. A bull market is basically when everything's positive, people want to buy, right? People are thinking, I don't want to miss out, I want to buy. Yeah. Right? That's a bull market. People want to buy. Price is going up. Bitcoin crashed uh, yesterday by like 14%, I believe. It went from thir- high 30s to low 30s, basically. It's like 35 to 30 today. 30,000, yeah? Yeah, April. You know what? I can actually, I'm actually going to find out exactly what the prices are. So, what, no, just one thing that I wanted to um, clarify is like, he also did a move in the sense that if, even if it crashes, it doesn't really doesn't really affect his company that much. No, it so doesn't. It doesn't. It's sort so, of like a very good low risk and high reward because you can kind of take that and say, well, if Bitcoin Bitcoin goes up really high, then his company's worth a lot more. So Bitcoin crashed from thirty three to thirty two okay, cool. on from the eighth to the tenth. Okay. It was a small. It's a small depreciation, but when you have 1.5 billion worth that's a couple of million we've lost but the thing is thing is that short term like you said i think like you said blockchain has a future if blockchain has a future i feel like cryptocurrency has a future mm-hmm. because they go hand in hand i think if an app is app is going to be created in uh, the blockchain environment they're going to accept cryptocurrency over fiat currency it, it just works a blockchain is built to support uh, cryptocurrency, yeah. right? So it's just more compatible. And how nowadays, every transaction system, whether it be through Barclays, or your bank or whatever firms you're using, whatever companies you're using, 
they have been built to support fiat currency. So therefore, it's easier for them to make transactions in, in fiat currency terms yes. in the future. That won't be the case. It's going to be cryptocurrency and fiat's going to be the one that's trickier to manage, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I think that's the angle that crypto is coming in. It's, I don't think this bull market is going to last for the next five mm. years and it's going to keep going and Bitcoin's going to be worth... I know there's an estimation that by 2025, Bitcoin's going to be worth a half a million. One Bitcoin's going to be worth half a million pounds. Ooh, that'd be interesting. Yeah, people already talked about like 100,000 and stuff. So It makes sense by, by literally the law of economics. When demand goes up, price goes up, supply is limited. Mm-hmm. So once demand hits a certain point, uh, it only makes sense. Yeah, one problem. One problem I see with it though is that um, if for it to be widely adopted, it needs to have a fastest transaction time because at the moment it takes like fifteen minutes or yes. something for a. But it doesn't have to be Bitcoin. If you if you yeah, yeah. you know Ethereum, you know Ethereum, yeah, yeah. right? Ethereum has a transaction time of about two minutes. Yeah, there is now something called Bitcoin SV, which is actually started around two thousand seventeen. It's a different. It's a fork on blockchain technology, so it's all open source. They took the code which runs blockchain the traditional bitcoin blockchain made a bit of changes and then made it much more faster to do transactions so bitcoin whereas it takes like 15 minutes to uh validate a transaction this one can do like fifty thousand transactions per second and they ran it on a test network and it did like fifty thousand. i think it can it can do like two three thousands which get which matches which matches visa and other people yeah exactly so even so basically what you're saying is in its prime it does fifty thousand. even if it does one tenth of that, it is still much faster than uh, normal everyday transactions. Yeah, please. So we, I think Bitcoin and cryptocurrency is the future. Um, I don't think it's going to replace. Why? Why do you think that? Because I, I hear people having this this confidence in Bitcoin, and they back, then they finish it up with, "Well, I don't think it's going to replace it." Why not? I mean, if you can, if you're going to be bold enough to say that Bitcoin is going to be the future, then it's obviously going to be bold enough to say cryptocurrencies can definitely replace fiat currency. I compare Bitcoin to gold, where it's more of a commodity than it is currency. Yeah, once the transaction speed comes up for other coins, maybe it wouldn't be Bitcoin; it could be some other coin they have. And you can also trade with a percentage of things. Once, I feel like. A fraction, I meant. Uh, you can trade with like a fraction of a Bitcoin. So you can de- definitely make it into a transactional thing. It's just a matter of people ad- adopting to it. So if there is an app or something that says, oh, I want to send $15 and you type in 15 but then it converts it to the Bitcoin and does the transaction, I don't think the, that barrier of learning is gone. You don't need to worry about that. Yeah, but see, um, that's, the, that's the point though. It's like, so one pound is always going to be one pound, right? But one Bitcoin isn't always going to be worth the same as it did yesterday. Oh, yeah, it's very volatile. I fully agree with that. Exactly. And I think uh-huh. that's why, that's why, not anytime soon, at least, um, cryptocurrency is going to replace. So what do, you th- what do you think is the timeline? Like 20 years? Maybe, but it also depends on regulations. It also depends on governments. It also depends on how many, how many companies accept cryptocurrency. Because I can say 20 years and then in five years time, um, I don't know, these big businesses turn around and go, you know what? We don't like this because it's too, uh, it's too secretive by nature. We don't know who we're selling to. I think that's not correct at the moment, man. Because, um, like I said, right, all this traditional way of buying bitcoins have moved on to like these, uh, these registered institutions like Coinbase and stuff. No, 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 I get that. Of course, of course, of course, I get that. But I'm saying, like I said, it's the start of things. Whenever you find a solution, a new problem comes up, and 
if people really want to, I think they can find a way around. Yeah, they can definitely find like private wallets and stuff. There are still exist websites which can create wallets and you can do transactions and they charge you like, you have to jump through a lot of loops. And when I remember trans doing transactions back in like 2017 to like buy other tokens, uh, you had to go through this website where you type in the address, like this company who's creating the token. Or like, when I mean tokens, it's like the company who runs blockchain has their own tokens. So this, for example, Renberry had their own tokens to run the network. And the idea of the tokens was to reward these miners. They have their own miners, right? To run their networks. And they, they would then give these tokens as a way of reward and say, well, you know, you can... You can become a part of our network and mine and help our transactions. And by giving you the tokens, you can get discounts. You can you can use that tokens to run things in our platform, basically, like buy things. And, and when these tokens were happening, the way the company would um, get people to invest in them is by investing in their token, right? And you had to get to this dodgy website. It looks like a very dodgy website. And type in the address, which is a long digit, whatever, the hash address or whatever. Put that in. Then um, use gas. There's this thing called gas, which is basically what you pay for the transaction to happen. And it had to be the right decimal point in the value. Otherwise, your transaction can be dropped. So, you know, there was a lot of hoops to jump to do that. So to be honest, even even now, if you have to put your cryptocurrencies into a wallet, that's then your like base to store your cryptocurrencies. So you can go to any trading platform, buy your cryptocurrencies, and you can transfer that to your wallet. I did that actually from Coinbase out to my private ones, yeah. Yeah, and you and you can also have physical um, yeah, USB yeah. sticks basically mm-hmm. where you can store them, which is much safer than anything else. But if you lose that, yeah, USB, if you lose it, yeah, it's, it's gone. <laughs> there are people who lost like twenty million bitcoins and things like that. It's yeah, it's, it's mad. crazy. It, man. It's actually it's crazy. mad. But um, the problem, so like you were saying. You know how you said decimal places, if you misplace mm-hmm. it, you lose it. It's pretty much the exact same now. If let's say you write in uh, one, two, three, four, five, and you forget the six, those coins are mm-hmm. lost forever. You don't get to go back and try the transaction again. Yeah. It's gone. It's finished. You have 20 million one second, you mm-hmm. have zero the next. That's how real this is. That's also one of the major reasons why I don't think that cryptocurrency is going to replace fiat currency, it's, we don't have uh, someone monitoring yeah. these transactions. And I don't think we will have someone I mean, monitoring by monitoring the transactions, you're kind of rendering it useless because the whole idea of it is basically... Yes, exactly. Exactly. So as long as no one's monitoring it and it shouldn't be, and, and it shouldn't be monitored, it means that we are now placing all the responsibility of any, any transaction ever made on ourselves. I don't think many people are ready to take on True. that. True. If you look at it that way, that's that's a good point. If if you if you're going to transfer something to somebody else, and you know if it's a scam, there isn't an authority you can call and say, "Well, you know, I want my money back." Because right now, banks can take care of that stuff, and you can't do that with a blockchain. So yeah, I see your point there because you know it becomes there needs to be some regulation some authority to kind of uh, secure your money but that's the paradox if there's regulation and authority it's no yeah i guess it can run in parallel right because if you you can have alternative methods so when when you think something dodgy is happening in the fiat currency sort of world you can kind of run on bitcoin i don't know 
Maybe. I think cryptocurrency is a hedging fund, if that makes sense. So it's what you use to kind of secure your secure your investments. I think that's where the future of cryptocurrency is going. It's if you if you have I don't know, it's it's a way of diversifying your investments. That's what yeah, I and also it. also it's a way to run. For example, if there is some sort of like a very authoritarian government or something, you can kind of you know, mm-hmm. it's not like people don't have a choice no more. You can have another way to, to go about doing things. So you can, you know, in a day-to-day basis, you can run it on a normal banks, you know, centralized banks, any of any of banks. And then once it becomes a point where, the, where you feel like the government's sort of controlling you, like, I don't know, you're in China or something, then, <laughs> you know, you can um, you can use the other network. So yeah, that, that, that can work. It can run in parallel Speaking without affecting each Speaking on that point, so um, the IRS obviously has uh, has placed tax on any kind of cryptocurrency that you own, but yeah. there are many countries like Spain and France where you're not taxed for your um, crypto holdings. So that mm. means a lot of tax evasion does take place. I mean, it's it's the beginning of it. I feel like you know they already hit it with regulations bef- um like you know after two thousand seventeen and the whole thing happened, right? The whole bubble happened, so. I can see it only becoming a way that they would try and not control it directly, mm-hmm. but try and keep it in in check. So any any transaction that comes out from the digital digital cryptocurrency world into the traditional banking system has to be somehow funneled through a way to monitor things, and then going out the same way. They don't care about going out. I think they don't really care if you get your money out of from out from the traditional system into the cryptocurrency and use it. Nobody cares. I don't think the banks care. But if it comes the other way, then they're like, well, now we need to know where you got your money from, basically. That's the kind of regulations I feel. It's a one-way bridge. I think the problem also with, with the regulations, though, not just regulation, with the cryptocurrency, just going off um, what you said, even if it is regulated, right? Even if that is possible. I think one thing that um, cryptocurrencies are very, very vulnerable to is speculation. And yeah. the people who, who buy cryptocurrency usually I feel like are people that have an eye on the news, right? So when people, powerful people like Elon Musk say, because he said something like this quite just recently, he said, sell your Dogecoins. He said, I will personally back it if you sell it. I don't want it to be a cult thing. I want it to be the future of cryptocurrency. Sell your Dogecoins. And because someone of that power said it, a lot of people started selling their Dogecoins. That doesn't, that doesn't happen to pounds and US dollars. If he goes into... So is, <laughs> convert all your pounds into US dollars. That's not going to happen. Isn't that still a cult thing to do? He just told everyone to, you know, do something. <laughs> they did it. <laughs> <laughs> did he? Yeah, there's a point there. Or did I think <laughs> I think I think he kind of uh, went with the whole thing that the ends justify the means. So he doesn't oh, mind right. creating yeah, a yeah, cult yeah. to them. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Every cult leader ever. <laughs> <laughs> the cult life didn't choose me no yeah. shit <laughs> shit the cult life i didn't choose the cult life the cult life chose me <laughs> but yeah no, on that no i think i think we're like in one hour 20 minutes so but i think uh, that's basically what we want to cover isn't it just about the yeah. basics of bitcoins about just kind of demystifying the concepts of blockchain where we think it's going to go in the future yeah i hope we did a we did a good job covering all of all of that, and I I feel like if anyone wants to invest, do your due diligence 
and research very carefully. And I wouldn't say don't invest in it, invest in it. But if you know, if you're ready to lose some money, <laughs> I guess you can go and try it out. Otherwise, it, it is very volatile and risky to do an investment and in uh, any, any sort of cryptocurrencies and stuff. But yeah. Also, just remember, if you guys do create a app that is a Snapchat of mortgages, then we own the rights. Yes, we do. Because we snap mortgage. Snap mortgage. That'd be cool. Snap mortgage. Hashtag snap mortgage. This no, I don't <laughs> sign off on this. No, no. You, wait, wait. That's like a two. That's a like wordplay. Snap mortgage. Like snap it out. Snap it. No. All right. On that note. We're gonna <laughs> we're going to end this. I think we've covered everything we need to. Uh, like yeah. I like we always well we, like always as in we've been about for like three years. Like I say, please leave some feedback. It really did help. I hope we're improving episode to episode. Don't forget to follow our Instagram. It's uh, at the Mouse Project. Yeah. Uh, don't forget to leave a comment and share it if you do like the content. I've always wanted to say that. I feel like a creator. Oh. Oh, <laughs>